This is the introduction to the Yes Men podcast. Please stand by for podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Yes Men podcast. I am Lou DiPietro. To my left is Doug Williams, who you uh, got to see uh, alongside Chris Sheeran yesterday on the Chris Sheeran Show, and now he's here alongside me on the Yes Men podcast. Yep. Maybe you'll start your own podcast and be alongside yourself tomorrow. No, I, I I'm sticking with two for now. It's just two. That's yeah, it. No, that's not going all. for the trifecta. No, right. I, don't, I don't think we can handle another podcast. We 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 are already giving out so much information. I'm only one man. You are only one man, and you're one half uh, one half of two dynamic duos. It's true. So you have that going for you. That's very true. We are here uh, one day taping one day after the Yankees home opener, uh, which is why Chris and Doug were. Uh, Doing a special live video Christian show yesterday at the stadium. A successful 4-2 win by the Yankees. Derek Jeter's final home opener. The entire core four on hand. It was a kind of a great moment to watch the two pitchers throw out the first pitch to Posada and Derek Jeter. And then uh, Jeets came through with a double and one of his at-bats. The Yankees won and all was right at the stadium before the rains came last night. Yeah, it was a, it was a great you know ceremony before the game. Uh, it was good that the Yankees won, at least for Derek, uh, to be able to, you know, be able to say not only did I have a good you know ceremony before the game, but it's most important to get a victory, which I think is true about Derek. He just wants to win. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things happening in this Yankee team. Obviously, it was kind of a bombshell at the end of the game when Joe Girardi announced that David Robertson was going on the DL, along with uh, Mark Teixeira, obviously. So the injury bug that uh, affected the Yankees appears to have resurfaced, um, and somehow the Yankees are out of Purell and can't seem to get rid of that bug. But, you know, uh, maybe it will kind of fade. They did play on turf for three games in Toronto, and early in the season that can be difficult. So, you know, it's tough. Uh, but the Yankees' bullpen right now, I think if Joe Girardi was asked, he would say that he's happy with, with the way this bullpen is put together because it's kind of allows him to be flexible. And it has a bunch of guys who are overachieving and young and former starting pitchers and who are very flexible. And I, I, I like where the bullpen's at right now for the Yanks. I agree. I, I think yesterday also went a long way to help build their confidence. You know, David Phelps had a couple of rough outings early in the season out of the pen. He had a couple of rough outings after, quote-unquote, losing the fifth starter battle at the end of spring, too. He had a couple of rough relief outings. But he came in in a big spot yesterday with the tying runs on and two out and got a big out in the seventh inning. And then Adam Warren just looked amazing in the eighth inning. I mean, he looked like he's been doing that his whole life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's going to be huge because, you know, with Robertson out, somebody's got to be the closer. It's probably going to be Sean Kelly most of the time as it was yesterday, and, and, you know, Warren and Phelps and Batances are going to be the guys that have to get those big outs. Yep. And so they did that yesterday. Today, oddly enough, Girardi said Kelly be unavailable because he's pitched a lot in the first week. And when asked who's going to close, Joe said, that's a good question. And, you know, we haven't seen Dellen Batances in a couple days, so maybe he gets the nod, or maybe Adam Warren's performance yesterday gets him the nod. Or hopefully the Yankees are winning 14 to nothing in the ninth inning and, you know, Vidal Nuno or somebody can come in and just do some mop-up duty. Well, yeah, and the thing is, uh, Girardi's a better man than me. I would I would go with Batances just because he's electric. But the thing is, Batances has always had control issues. You don't want to bring in the young guy with control issues in the ninth inning. You'd rather bring him in in the seventh when you have some time offensively right. to kind of get back into the game. And let him get some confidence in those innings, right. that knowing that someone can pick him up. 
I think you're looking at either Phelps or Warren uh, to, for the closing role tonight. You never know. If there's a couple of lefties, if they're in the middle of the order, maybe it's Matt Thornton even. I mean, so it's Girardi's going to mix and match. He's had no problem doing that already this year. Uh, you know, he had Nuno warm it up a little bit yesterday when the when the lefty-heavy uh, core of the lineup was due up in the late innings. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, D-Rob is obviously very disappointed as well. You know, the last time he went on the DL was also the last time he was handed the closer role. When uh, Mariano Rivera got hurt a couple years ago, Robertson sort of assumed his, his role, blew one save against Tampa Bay, and then one on the DL with a strained oblique, and that was it. Rafael Soriano's victory tour uh, started the next day and didn't stop until he signed with Washington. So, you know, obviously it'll be D-Rob's job when he comes back, but for now the Yankees are going to have to uh, have to make do. They recalled Cesar Cabral, so now there's three lefties in the, uh, in the pen for the next two weeks. It, it so that'll be interesting. To, it goes to show you I don't think they even view Vidal Nuno as a lefty. I think they view him as a reliever that can get righties and lefties out, and they view him as kind of their long man maybe. And, you know, so now they feel like they have two lefties in the pen that can compete against left in, left-handed hitters and Vidal Nuno, who's separate from that category. Um, Especially if, like I said, you know, if Matt Thornton needs to close, if they, they're facing, you know, the, the Adam Jones portion and Chris Davis portion of the lineup there, mm-hmm. if uh, if Thornton needs to be the closer, they've got a guy who can come in and get out a tough lefty in the seventh inning, as well as Nuno in the bank. Right. Um, so, Lou, we're doing a little uh, something special today in terms of uh, a topic for us to talk about. We could talk Yankees all day, but, you know, we know we have some listeners that aren't Yankee fans and want to hear about other stuff. So um, we were thinking uh, last week we had some serious technical difficulties. My computer was misbehaving all week, so that's why we couldn't do it last week. We were going to do uh, championship predictions. So it would be Final Four. Uh, We have predicted our regular season awards and postseason predictions for baseball. And then we were going to do the NBA and the NHL and who we thought was going to, you know, win uh, win it all in both of those leagues. Obviously, the Final Four has been made uh, clear to us already. I don't think <laughs> either of us. Neither would have of us predict right. UConn. No, I, I I actually picked Florida to win the national title by beating UConn and Kentucky. So I guess I was one and a half correct out of three because Kentucky made it to the finals and well, lost in the finals. Uh, you're saying since. Yes, that as was just my your final four prediction. Not... Right, I did pick Florida to win it all in pretty much all of my pools, though. So I mean, you know, I, I've got that going for me, I guess, if you want to want to say that. But yeah, as of the final four, I had Florida over UConn, Kentucky over Wisconsin, Florida over Kentucky. So I'll take that as one and a half, right? Yeah, that's not bad. Um, all right, so should we start with baseball? And and I don't want to go through our individual playoff matchups. We can just say who we have winning it all, and then. Um, we can just say our awards and, and who, who we think is winning. Um, yeah, we, we have – and you may have read this last week on YesNetwork.com as we, we posted this as well on opening day. And Doug and I have some very different picks and Doug and I have some very, very eerily similar picks, which either means one of two things. Either our unanimous picks are locks or we're both stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that. So – I'm going to go with, you know, that's how good those two teams are. Well, I'm regretting a few of mine, but I I end up um, picking the Dodgers over the Tigers in the World Series, um, and Lou ends up picking the Cardinals over the Tigers. So we're both picking the NL team. To beat the Tigers. Both picking uh, teams in the World Series that were in the mix last year, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, why the Cardinals over the Tigers for you? 
Well, if you look at my picks for the playoffs, I have Yankees, Tigers, A's, Red Sox, Rays as the wild card in the AL, and then Braves, Cards, Dodgers, Pirates, Nationals as your NL wild cards. The Cardinals just are the best team in the National League. They, they just are. They, they have been for the last few years. They haven't gone to the World Series every year for various reasons, but they've been the, the best team in the National League for a few years. They return pretty much the same entire team minus Carlos Beltran that, you know, went to the World Series last year and, and took the Red Sox to the brink. And, you know, it, it's one of those situations where I'm just going to not bet against the winner. The Dodgers, yes, are much improved. They have added to their pitching staff with Dan Heron. They have, you know, now four outfielders facing a full season of where do they fit in Puig, Kemp, Ethier, and Crawford. They have, you know, a, an improved bullpen. They have guys that are, you know, depth pitchers. They have Beckett coming back, yada, yada, yada. So I have them going to the NLCS, but I have them losing to the Cardinals because the Cardinals are just, you know, that good. And now Colton Wong comes up with David Freeze gone and Beltran gone. Craig takes over in right field. Adams takes over at first base full time. Colton Wong comes up and moves Carpenter to third. And they don't miss a beat. They just don't miss a beat. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree with you on all those points. Um, I happen to think the Dodgers are just the most talented team, and I just think that if Kershaw is able to return from his injury and is healthy, uh, he is so dominant. And I I, I think that with that lineup and with another year of experience under Puig's belt, hopefully by the end of the year he'll have his – you know what together, and he'll be able to you know actually contribute without being a distraction. And I picked Hanley Ramirez actually, as we'll get to, um, for the NL MVP because I think that he is a truly uh, matured player and is really coming into his own. Um, so it, we both like the Tigers from the AL representing in the World Series. Um, they're just a very well-rounded team, and when you have Verlander and Scherzer, and last year they were only running, they ran into an extremely hot Red Sox team. That's the only reason yep. they lost. And now they have a real closer, right? They it's, don't have a they don't have a question mark or a who's going to do it today. They now have a real closer in Joe Nathan, which right. helps a lot. It does help a lot. Um, so MVP uh, AL, I took Evan Longoria, and I, uh, I I I don't see that as a bad pick, but Mike Trout. It's been Cabrera and Trout the last two years, and I. Trout's not getting any worse. Right. I just <laughs> I mean sometimes I, 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 I kind of predict injury in my head. I think Trout's gonna get hurt this year at some point. I think I, I think with me it was, you know, everyone's going to pick Miguel Cabrera to three peat because you can't again, you can't bet against the winner. I think Prince Fielder leaving will hurt him just enough so that Trout's numbers, especially if the Angels you know, can make the playoffs. Seattle's a much improved team. The Rangers are a little bit down with their pitching. The A's are always, you know, kind of there. If enough shifts in that West where the Angels can make the playoffs or come close and, and aren't a disappointment like they were last year, and Cabrera slips just enough, I think Trout can overtake him. I mean, I think Trout's probably the favorite to win this year, especially like be, like you said, because Prince Fielder is gone. Right. I just I, I think that Trout's one of those guys that plays really hard, and it's and, and it's hard sometimes to say that he'll get through the whole season healthy uh, again because he's gotten lucky in the past. He hasn't really had any severe injuries. I think that if there's a chance that Trout gets hurt, Evan Longoria gets hurt a lot, so this is not a safety pick. Right. But it's the thing is, at the at the end of the day, the Rays have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Angels do. And if Evan Longoria has a terrific season, he is by far the most 
quote unquote most valuable hitter to any lineup in baseball because the Rays lineup is so weak around him, whereas Trout is smushed in between Pujols and Josh Hamilton, who right. both might have big comeback years. Oh, absolutely. If you if you take the words most valuable player at their core, who is the most valuable player to their team? The Rays win seventy games without Evan Longoria if he's out for an extended period of time or off the team. They win seventy games. I mean he makes that offense tick. He's their best hitter. He's their, you know, their power hitter, their average hitter. Their, he's a rock defensively at third base. They are a much worse team with him. You know, you, you kind of look back at how A-Rod won the MVP about a decade ago on a last-place team because he hit 50 home runs in that. And, you know, you take those words and say, well, the, the, the Rangers were already the worst team in the American League. How much worse would they have been off without A-Rod? Like, you know, it wasn't a who's the most valuable player of their team scenario. This year I think it's going to be – think it's going to be that if trout can propel them to the playoffs finally he wins it if longoria you know like you said has a monster season and the rays sneak in again you know it's obvious it's because of him he's going to win it right if cabrera hits 330 with 45 home runs and comes within you know inches of winning the triple crown again he's going to win it you could pick five or six other guys too in that same scenario i just happen to think you know after two years as the bridesmaid trout's gonna you know explode now that he's got his contract and he's ready to go um, Cy Young, I picked uh, kind of a surprising pick. I picked Justin Verlander. He's a guy that a lot of people think is on the downward slope. Um, I picked him because, you know, he has been so dominant in the past, and I think he, he pitches with a chip on his shoulder. And now that people are expecting more from Max Scherzer, his teammate, than Justin Verlander, I think he's going to pitch angry all year, and, and that's dangerous. And, you know, you can see early in the year that his velocity is, is good, and I just think that he has been, for the last decade or so, probably the best pitcher in baseball. Um, he's kind of taken over that Roy Halladay spot. And I think that uh, he will have a big comeback season. I actually – and let's talk about your pick. You picked David Price. Yes, I did. Um, and as I broke it down when we did the AL East previews in March for every team, I broke it down in this simple equation. Bad 2013 plus contract year equals angry David Price. He was a Cy Young Award winner a couple years ago, and he was dominant, and he was amazing. Last year, he had a quote-unquote down year, which he had a mid-three ERA and only won 13 games. And the race still made the playoffs. He may or may not be resigned to the fact that come this time next year, he won't be in Tampa because that's just the way they operate. So maybe he's playing for a contract. Maybe he's playing to show them he wants to be there. Maybe he's playing for whatever. That's a dangerous combination, especially for a power lefty who's still on the downside of 30. Yeah, the only thing I will say about Price is if you remember watching him pitch against the Red Sox last year in the postseason, not only did he not pitch well, but he was hitting 93, 94, if if that. Right. He might have been a little out of gas. I think that with a guy in baseball, you have to realize that when you see a guy throwing 97, 98, you have to cherish it because it's probably going to be around for two years, yet we're still shocked after a few seasons of 200 innings with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball that doesn't come back. Price might be one of those guys. When he first came up, he was throwing close to 100. He might not be that guy anymore. I, I What's funny is uh, I posted on Twitter, I don't think the Rays are going to make the playoffs. I think they're an overrated team because they're very similar than they've been for the past few years. You know, If anything goes wrong with Evan Longoria, they're done. And that's a lot of weight to put on one mm-hmm. player. So here's the thing. I said on Twitter, I said, David Price, I think he's on, on the decline as well. 
And a lot of people ragged on me about that. I really don't have any proof for that because he had a good second half. He just wore down in the playoffs. Right. So it's a, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does this season. Actually. And we're like I said, we're only two years removed from a Cy Young season. So right. it's not like he all of a sudden just fell off the face of the right. earth. Like, you know, became Rick Ankiel and forgot how to pitch. What you said about Verlander is, is part of the reason why I picked the Tigers to go to the World Series. I, I picked Tigers-Yankees in the ALCS because I think Hollywood would write that ending where Derek Jeter gets a, you know another chance after what happened in 2012. It's Tigers-Yankees again, you know, his final redemption kind of thing. But with the way Scherzer pitched, if he's on the upswing and if Verlander's angry and that team just, you know, they lost Prince, but they got a speed guy in Rajai Davis in the outfield to take over there who's you know playing for the time being while Andy Dirks is out. If Castellanos can come up and be a rookie of the year candidate and you know Miguel Cabrera is better off at first and now Kinsler solidifies him. So much going on. That that's Verlander is part of why I picked that. With um, Price, like you said, I mean, he knows maybe next year he's not gonna be in Tampa. So that that plays a lot into it, I think. It, it's it's a walk year for him. He's he wants to get paid. This is the year to do it. He does. I mean, I think that the bottom line is with a pitcher who's a lefty who throws ninety five, he's going to get paid anyway. Well, of course. Um, Look at Boone Logan, AL AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, we can just say real quick. I picked Tanaka. You picked Jose Abreu. It's a pitcher versus a slugger. Both pretty good. Players. Reason I didn't pick Tanaka is because Hideki Matsui didn't win the Rookie of the Year award in two thousand three. Uh, that's that's it. That's simply it. I, I think enough people are going to say Tanaka's not a rookie. Uh, NL MVP, well, the only thing uh, reason that's different for Tanaka is because he's 25, if you ask me. Uh, I agree, but NL, I still think so. NL MVP, uh, I chose Hanley Ramirez, as I said earlier. You chose David Wright. So I'm very interested to hear why, I chose why David you Wright? chose David Wright. Big, ex, big inhale and exhale here from Lou. I don't think the Mets are going to make the playoffs. I don't they even, won't. I don't let me, even, let, me, uh, let me clear that they up. They won't. They won't. No. And if you read my picks, I didn't even pick them to finish second in their division because the Nationals are one of my wild cards. David Wright has been consistently the same hitter for years. He now has – I'm about to call Curtis Granderson the best threat behind him he's ever had, and that's kind of sad in one regard and probably not true in another. But Jason Bay stunk. Nobody has really – it's been David Wright and who else is going to produce for the last umpteen years in, in Queens. If Curtis Granderson, even if he hits 240 but hits 35-40 home runs behind him, if Daniel Murphy has another you know 320 home run, 35-40 double season and continues to develop into one of those under-the-radar guys who you look at and go, wow, Daniel Murphy's that good. You know, if guys like Chris Young or Darno or some of these guys at the bottom of the lineup kind of produce, if Eric Young steals 50 bases again, they have the potential to have a very good lineup. Their pitching is what's going to cause them to not win. I don't think Bartolo Colon can sustain what he did last year. I don't know if Zach Wheeler can be Matt Harvey. He can be very good. And then the rest of that rotation is kind of in, in, in flux. But if all of that stuff in the lineup happens and David Wright can hit 320 with 25 home runs because he's not – in, in that field, he's not a, a huge power hitter. And just kind of be that leader and take it to the next level, and the Mets can kind of come up a cog even though they're really not playing for 2014. I think the field is so wide open that he might steal enough votes to win it. Here's where I disagree with you. The amount of hitters that put up the similar numbers to David Wright in the NL are are at a, you know, there's tons of them. Well, yeah. You know, Jay Bruce might put up better numbers than David Wright this year. 
It's possible. Joey Votto might put up, yeah. but, and there's two guys in the same team. Andrew McCutcheon is probably going right. to put up better numbers. That would be the safe net. pick. It's right. kind of the boring pick. He won last year. That usually doesn't happen with back-to-backs. The reason I chose Hanley Ramirez uh, is because he is the type of guy who can steal 20 bases, hit 30 home runs, and in the middle of that lineup, maybe drive in 100 RBIs. Right. And what's funny is driving in 100 RBIs is, is less frequent, especially in the National League, than it's ever been. So they're really like I I am interested in your David Wright pick because there really isn't a a obvious stud in no. the NL. I mean, with the AL, you obviously have Trout and Cabrera; those are the favorites. In yep. the NL, it's non-power guys really that kind of lead the way. So it's going to be interesting. And we haven't even mentioned Paul Goldschmidt, right? Who, and, and that's that's the other half of the reason, if there's halves, of why I chose a guy like Wright. Or why I chose right. Look at what Paul Goldschmidt did last year on an Arizona team that finished 500 ish, and he finished second in the MVP voting in a, in a wide open race to McCutcheon. If Wright has that kind of season, not as he's not going to put up the numbers Goldschmidt did last year because he's just not that much of a power hitter, especially in that park. But if he can have that kind of season and the Mets improve, you know, to where they're looking like 2015 is going to be a good run for the money. You know, Goldschmidt finished second last year. Why not Wright? Um, NL Cy Young, uh, I took Steven Strasburg. You took Adam Wainwright. I think they're pretty self-explanatory, both aces on really good teams. Um, and again, that's, you know, a category where you can pick any one of five or six guys and that guy could finish sixth or he could win it and nobody would bat an eye either way. Yeah. I think Michael Waka is a sleeper, but he might have an innings limit. So. Jose, Jose Fernandez too. I mean, you know, right. he's going to be up there and, and both maybe... young guys who may be limited though. You never know. Right. Um, and our rookie of the year, uh, I took Billy Hamilton. Uh, you took Colton Wong. Colton Wong's a guy that has a lot. You know, a lot of people talk about him as you know the next good, really great Cardinal infielder. Um, he's going to be a high average, kind of high energy kind of guy. Not a power hitter, but nope. uh, Billy Hamilton is the fastest player in the big leagues. He he just uh, hit a single to right field against the Cardinals yesterday and ran to second base. Yeah, I mean you don't uh, have to uh, you don't have to be a power hitter to win the rookie of the year. Just ask Derek Jeter who hit ten home runs in 1996. Uh, obviously, we don't have a power hitter in there, but I think Wong, you know, in that lineup, like I said, the Cardinals are just the best team in baseball all around. In that lineup, he'll be hitting seventh, eighth, maybe second. You know, he might move around. He's a guy that could easily hit 300 with 15 homers and 60, 70 RBIs and put up kind of pretty much the same line Jeter did in 96, steal some bases, play some good defense. And, and you'll look at him at the end of the year. You won't look at him all year and be like, wow, he's doing amazing. You look at him at the end of the year and be like, damn, he had a really good season. See, I chose Billy Hamilton because I think what's going to stand out is he's going to probably hit 250 with like five home runs and 30 RBIs. But then you're going to look in the (laughs) stolen base column and you're going to see like 65, 70 steals. And that column alone, I think, will win him uh, the rookie I just You can't steal first base, so that's the only thing that worries me. Right, he's He's not a great hitter. He's not looking so good the first week, but obviously if we we went by the first week or the first game or whatever, I would have totally – said your Strasburg pick for Cy Young was stupid because he got lit up in the first innings at the Mets. Right. But you can't look at, obviously, one performance or one week as right. as, as as the norm. All right, switching leagues. NBA. Switching leagues. Oh, by the way, for the women's Final Four, I have Connecticut over Notre Dame. So I was at least right there because I think anybody Well, you're not right yet. Well, I was right in the finals anyway. Yep. Anybody, I think, could have predicted that. That's pretty good. teams. Yep. Um, Seriously. NBA. Uh, who you got in the finals and who you got winning? I have your Miami Heat three-peat. Wow. <laughs> and I have them 
I have them beating San Antonio in the finals. Wow. Again. Repeat, three-peat. Repeat, three-peat. A lot of good headlines there. Um, let me start with the West because anything can happen. The, the West eighth seed could be the number three seed in the East. As, as, I'm looking at my, my notes here for this from last week. You got a lot of notes. As of last week, Phoenix was the eighth seed in the West at 44-30 and 30 and had a better record than the 42-32 and 32 Toronto Raptors, who were the East number three seed. Mm-hmm. So they might as well just play the Western Conference playoffs and have Miami and Indiana play like a best of 30 and just call it a day. Best of 30. San Antonio, Oklahoma. That said, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and the Clippers are a level above everybody else, I think. There's a lot of good teams in the West, but I think those three are a cut above, and they've proved it all year. San Antonio and Oklahoma City have proved it over the last few years. Problem being is the way the seeds work out, Oklahoma City is going to have to face the Clippers in the, the conference semifinals. That's going to be a dogfight. San Antonio might get a little bit easier of a matchup. And with the way Popovich has rested his players and does the way you know does things the way he does, they're built for April and May at this point. Um, and I just think that they'll they'll outlast whoever wins that OKC Clippers series. I, I just think that that that's the way it's going to go. The East. What more do you want me to say? Miami and Indiana are, are the best two teams in the East, and it's going to be a ginormous upset if they don't play each other in the conference finals. Yeah, um, and the Miami pick is safe, too, because they, it looks like they're going to be the one seed, so they'll have home field advantage against Indiana. And I think um, they have a chip on their shoulder after what's happened all year with the Pacers, and after maybe they underestimated them last year. I don't know, but I think Miami has a chip on their shoulder, and that's going to propel them forward. And then you know, once they get in the finals against San Antonio, it's the same final as last year. So know? I think that NBA scripts are almost predictable. Uh, yours makes sense. It's a different script than mine. It's equally, uh, interesting. So it's a rematch of last year's finals. I am going with the thunder and the Pacers, um, in the finals. I think the Pacers are going to end up winning in seven. They're going to beat Miami on their home court on their home court. Wow. Yeah. Because you know what? I think too much is made out of this game seven thing. I think usually the heat are just the better team in that situation and definitely were the better team last year. It's not just because they're playing in Miami. I mean, it's not like Indiana's legs are shaking when they get onto that home court. They play away from home all the time. It's, it's, it's not impossible to win a game seven. I know the numbers say differently, but I, I think Indiana is so deep and so big. I don't know how Miami's going to win a playoff series with Chris Bosh going against the combination of uh, Mahimi, Roy Hibbert, and if he can play, um, you know who, Andrew Bynum. So those, those trees, I just I don't know. Um, it's a, it's, so I got it's the Pacers. A, that adds a different dynamic. I agree. Right. So I got the Pacers winning uh, and and getting to the finals. I know the Pacers are not playing well right now. They're, in fact, they're kind of like a dumpster fire. They they're three and seven in their last ten. Uh, people are talking about whether Frank Vogel's job is safe. That's ridiculous. And. I think they're going to get hot at the right time, though. A lot of times if you struggle in the regular season, especially in the NBA, the most pointless regular season in professional sports, you are inclined to kind of play with the chip on your shoulder in the playoffs, get hot at the right time. So we'll see. Um, And the Thunder, I have winning it all. Um, First ring for Durant? Yes. And I think that's an NBA script because I think Durant, is ready. And all year, I mean, first of all, why we really 
analyze the NBA regular season. Again, I don't know because we all end up saying different things in the playoffs. But people have been saying this is Durant's time. This is the time he's going to win the MVP over LeBron. This is the time that he's going to try and win a ring. I just think that uh, this is the year that Parker and Duncan are yet another year older. And I'm a big Spurs guy. I'm rooting for them. I want them to win. But they're a year older and a year slower. And Ginobili was terrible in the uh, in the championship against Miami last year. I just don't know. I know Kawhi Leonard is such a star and is helping them out with athleticism, but I don't know how they can compete against the Thunder, who are so fast and so big, too. Um, See, I go, I go a little bit of the opposite with you on that thought, is that the Spurs have been such a dynasty for the last two decades that Duncan and Parker and Ginobili may be another year older and another year slower, but they're also another year closer to this is it for us. And for those three guys, as talented as they've always been, as much as they may be losing a step even, that might almost be more important than talent at this point because they're now like this is going coming to the end for us. You know, last year they were probably like this may be it for us in the finals, and they played like it outside of Ginobili, who, like you said, was not good. Fast forward another year, and here they are again. When they get to the, the you know, this conference semifinals, the conference finals, if they get to the finals, it's another case of this could be it for us. They're going to give it everything they have. And Popovich has rested them and adjusted his lineups throughout the year, again, like I said, to build them for April and May so that they can give everything they have for the next 28 games and see what happens. Again, I hope you're right. I root for uh, I root for the Spurs. I, I love watching Duncan and and, you know, Tony Parker and all those guys play. I really think they're fun to watch. People think they're boring, but I think it's fun. Um, so, you know, I just don't know who guards Durant on that team. Was on, the, it, on the Spurs? Yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Right. Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard does not have the size to guard him for a seven-game series with Durant playing at the, at the height right. that he's playing right now. Durant scoring 40 points a game, the Thunder will win it all. And, you know, uh, the the other thing that's made the Thunder so much more dangerous this year is just when Westbrook was out, the way Reggie Jackson played. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that adds a whole new element to things. Yep. And people were talking about him getting traded, but nope, he's just still on the team and still uh, a very good player. I honestly think, you know, one of us is going to be right in the East, and if neither one of us is right in the West, it's because the Clippers pulled a double upset, so to speak. Don't see it. But again, but again I, like I said, that's it's those five teams are the best teams in the league, and, and the Nets... You know, we hope this year they get out of the first round, obviously, because I think the, they will. the further they go, the, you know, the more coverage we give them and the, the better our lives are. They need to get the three seed, though, because if they're the six, they're going to have to go on the road all the time. They're still going to end up plot, probably playing Indiana either way, which is a bad matchup for them. The Heat is not, oddly enough. But uh, I, I just if they don't if they don't get the three or the or say the four, I don't see them going very far. All right, switching it up. I know. Uh, I would say I'm I'm a slightly bigger hockey fan than you, but I asked if you wanted to uh, do some Stanley Cup predictions. Yeah, you know, it's not even that you're a bigger hockey fan than than me because you are. I will admit that. But this year, I've been so caught up in baseball and football early in the year, and then the playoffs, and then you know the Nets have been on a resurgence. That hockey has kind of been shunted to the back burner for me all year. It just has, outside of the stadium series. So I mean, it's. These these predictions are coming from me looking at numbers and and crunching things and and seeing a few games. All right, so, so who you, you got? Know. 
I have a, I have the Bruins versus Anaheim in the finals. Anaheim. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think anybody who looks at the standings or anybody who's watched hockey can kind of see that the Bruins have been the best team in, in hockey all year. Um, and they, you know, they're coming off a of Stanley Cup finals where they, they, they had the match won. And then you saw what happened. I, you know, they're just like the Cardinals. They are that team right now that's just, they're the best team in hockey, whether or not they, they make it, win it, do whatever every year. They're, they're just the, the overall best team right now. I have Anaheim in the West because Anaheim's biggest bugaboo as to why they're behind the Blues and, and why they're not number one is they stink in the shootout. There's no shootouts in the playoffs. So if you have one weakness and it's nullified in the playoffs, what do you have? No weaknesses. Yeah, um, I think – And hot goaltending. They have hot goaltending. I think uh, I, we're similar. I, I, I predicted the Bruins, although I can see the Lightning uh, getting hot in the playoffs. Uh, ben Bishop is a massive goaltender in Tampa Bay, and he's just very he, – he can stand on his head in certain games and – you're, they're unbeatable at that time. You know, Steven Stamkos and, and Ryan Callahan have formed a nice combo on the top line. They're very off. Their offensive firepower is, is, is you know, it's, it's a force to be reckoned with. If, if um, they have to play Montreal, though, that's going to be, you know, with the way the playoff division thing is set up now. If they have to play Montreal, I think that's going to be, again, a, a situation like the, the Clippers and the Thunder, where it's going to be such a dogfight that. You oh know, yeah, it, I don't it see, may take too much out of them to be able to challenge the Bruins. I don't see this happening. I, I predicted the Bruins. Right. Um, I think the Bruins have Tuukka Rask. He's their most important player. I think Zdeno Chara is getting slower and older, um, and he is. You know, he's great in some ways. He's, his shot is still as great as it's ever been. But defensively, they are a troubled team. Um, so that will be interesting. Although they are obviously, as you said, the best. They have the best goaltender in yeah. Tuukka Rask as well. I also predicted the Blues. Um, now that they have Ryan Miller, they are one of the hottest teams in hockey. He is one of the best goaltenders in hockey. He's playing hot. I think he is so happy to be on a team that's competitive. And, <laughs> As opposed um, to the dumpster fire that is Buffalo. Right. And I think that St. Louis is one of those teams that hasn't been there. And now that they have a team that can easily compete, I think that they're, they have to be looked at as the favorite right now. Uh, they're the number one seed. These are just – this will be the kind of year, if you ask me, the two best teams in hockey face off against each other. Anaheim obviously um, has the goaltending um, to compete. And, and like, like the Rangers in the East, if, if Henrik Lundqvist doesn't allow a goal in three straight games, they'll beat the Bruins. And right. any team can beat any team in the NHL. That's why I love it so much more than the NBA. But I just think Blues, Bruins, Killer Bees, uh, and I think the Bruins – will lose to the Blues in seven. And we're looking at, like, Rangers-Flyers in the first round still, right? I mean, yeah. so that's – even if they lose, that's going to be worth it for Rangers fans to watch that for five, it's six, It's a good draw games. for the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, the Flyers aren't an overly talented team. They're, they have a lot of uh, – well, this, I mean, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows this isn't totally unbiased coming at you, but the Flyers are more of a kind of cheap shot, want to fight, rough, gritty team. In the words of Swingers, they're a you-know-what team. Yeah, and uh, the Rangers are small, uh, scoring-oriented, fast-paced kind of team with Henrik Lundqvist and Nett. It's a good draw for the Rangers. The The Flyers are uh, will beat people by intimidating them, but you know I don't think the Rangers even stooped down to their level. At least they didn't the last time they played, which is exactly what I said after the game. I said I expected a more physical matchup, but good for the Rangers for not 
letting Scott Hartnell get to them and that kind of stuff. So, right. Um, I honestly, maybe the best time in sports. I've been saying that for the last week or so. Uh, we had the Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, obviously the whole NCAA yeah. tournament. Then you have uh, NBA and NHL winding down. We got playoffs coming up. Such long playoffs, which is so great. There's like a game every other night. Just the thing with you know, in April you have the Final Four, and depending on how it shakes out, sometimes the Elite Eight, a little bit of the Elite Eight, not this year, but you have the Final Four. You have the first round of the NHL, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is possibly the best round, the best playoff round in sports. And the NBA playoffs too, and you got opening day in baseball. So you know, there's everything is going on, everything is in season. The NFL draft is usually around now. It's a little later this year, so even that you got a little bit of football excitement going on. You, April might be the best month in sports. Honestly, I agree with you 100. percent Broad Street versus Broadway here in this first round matchup here at Madison Square Garden. Will they be exchanging pleasantries in front of the net, Doc? Yeah. I, I, I bet there will be a lot of exchanging pleasantries, specifically between Boyle and Simmons, who never, never liked each other. I'm using air quotes when I say pleasantries. You can't see that, though, because we're not on video. It's it's definitely an exciting time, and, and we'll see how right we are in a couple months or maybe even sooner if somebody gets upset. Uh, you know, with the with our baseball picks, we'll have to wait till October, but... We'll probably be wrong about 90% of them. Absolutely, and anybody who's not... But hey, seeing, keep listening because we're experts. Anybody who's not is either seeing into the future or extremely lucky. Let's be fair. So it's not our fault. Uh, so that's that's it. That's going to do it for us. I do want to say, as uh, you grew up in Connecticut, as did I, so uh, congratulations to the UConn Huskies for their fourth national title yep. in 15 years. Good for them. You go, boys. Make the state proud. Uh, also good on you for taking a giant dump on the tournament committee. Uh, who basically pooped on the American Athletic Conference and left SMU out, the number 16 shooting team in the country, left them out because they didn't give them enough respect. And what happens? SMU goes to the NIT finals. UConn wins the whole damn thing. So suck on that one, committee, I guess, is really what uh, what, what yeah, UConn said there. Yeah, the is not looking good right now, specifically because of who they placed in seating. Like, it was just so obvious this year that what they decided and i mean there's teams you know wisconsin was a good team they showed it wichita state was definitely wor- a good team wichita state was worthy of where they were despite the fact that everybody was like oh they don't play anybody they were definitely worthy of where they were and look who they lost to kentucky who yeah, but almost won the national been, championship they shouldn't have even been in that position wichita, wichita state deserved a less stacked bracket right that was the, that was the whole argument if they put wichita state as a two seed there would have been an uproar which is Good, because Wichita State, if you watch them play, was a dominant team. But they should not have lost to Kentucky because they shouldn't have played Kentucky that soon. It's just it, – it was ridiculous. And and the audacity to make Louisville a four seed? Like it was as if they were trolling us. Yeah. And here's here's a couple of things I wrote down about the committee, just, just to say this. Uh, Louisville went to the Elite Eight. UConn won it all. Memphis and Cincinnati didn't do as well. Whatever. It happens. SMU, again, went to the finals of the NIT. The Atlantic 10, who they all of a sudden had a big giant love fest for, got six teams. Dayton went to the Elite Eight. The rest of the teams were one and five. Good job on that one, guys. How about the Big East, who they gave a lot of love to? Yeah, they didn't have such a good tournament either. Dougie McBuckets, uh, Mick went out bye-bye very early, and the rest of the uh, team followed suit. So not Villanova a good, uh, lost early, too. Villanova lost early, too. Uh, who'd they lose to again? Oh, right. I think you know the UConn. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I think UConn kind of put the, the cap on the uh, the Sunday that was the NCAA Tournament Committee's bad year. But, uh, you know, the best part about that is they can try again in 2015, and we'll see what happens. 
and we'll see how Shabazz Napier does in the NBA, I guess, because he won't be back. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us uh, on this edition of The S-Men. We hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on for more than a half an hour about things we think are going to happen in the next six months. Until next time, I'm Lou DiPietro. He's Doug Williams. Please remember to uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already and rate and review us and let us know how we're doing. Tweet at us at Lou DiPietro, yes, at Doug Williams, yes. And we'll see you next time.